Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. We're back for another week. Today is August 31st and the last day of August in 2022. Where has the summer gone? Always happy to have you with us on the Chapter 49 podcast. I'm Larry Landon, a volunteer in the area of communications. My most Actually, the biggest responsibility is to produce and host this podcast. We are a weekly podcast when we can. We, we do miss it every now and then for personal and, and other reasons. But we do have, as always, our chapter president for Chapter 49, Duncan Giles, with us again. It's good to talk to you on a very pleasant late August day. Good to be here with you, Larry. And I couldn't tell you what the weather is from my office. I was waiting for that. I always try to set you up for that comment because you have no <laughs> windows in your office and you never let anyone forget that. So, <laughs> but I chose it that way. So, well, yeah, you know, you just allow somebody else to get a a window. Get, allow the employees to get the windows rather than me. Yep. And uh, that's okay. Who want, I mean, sometimes looking at the window is pleasant and sometimes it's not. <laughs> sometimes it's just the weather is not so good in the state of Indiana. But leaving that aside, we have a, a number of things to talk about today. And we want to start the podcast with what I think is the most important item we talked about with our national president, Tony Reardon, when he was kind enough to join us last week on the previous podcast. And my first question to him was about all the rhetoric going on. And we always have that, sadly, but now it's coming from elected officials, members of the House, not all, but a certain group of United States senators who are spouting information about the IRS that is just not true. And the one thing that I was very impressed with and, and, and took note of when we talked to Tony Reardon, our national president, is that he was not afraid to use the word lie. His view is not only himself, but m- many journalists have called out these comments about IRS and the, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and the, and, and the amount of hiring and, and budget increase that will go into IRS over the next 10 years. Basically, Some of the allegations being made, for example, that IRS uh, new hires are going to pull out firearms and point them at small business owners to pay up is just nuts. IRS, as you pointed out, does have some criminal investigators. They don't use their firearms often if they ever do, but they are law enforcement and they do have firearms and they're a small portion of those new hires. Most of them will be collection workers and, and audit people who never carry firearms. And if they have a, 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 a situation where they think there may be danger, they bring somebody with them who would, would be a law enforcement type of, of official. So I would like to, you know, you to comment on a couple of things. First of all, sort of your reaction to the fact that Tony was not afraid to say the word liar to some of these people who are alle- making allegations uh, against the IRS and, and the law that is authorizing the new hires and the, and the budget increase for the service. And just in general, uh, your reaction uh, to what you are seeing yourself. Yeah, well, first off, I was not surprised by Tony's reaction. I've known Tony for over 20 years, and the man has fierce convictions and is not afraid to tell people about him. And he's, you know, he's spouting the truth. He's telling the truth. 
that these are actually lies. I understand they're politically motivated. I understand you're playing to a base, but to actually put people in danger, and that goes to the second part of your question, um, I think is absolutely abhorrent that they're, you know, you're literally putting people in possible danger because you're ratcheting up this so much that it's, you know, becoming this, We like you said, we've always had the anti-IRS. That's expected. We're the, we're the tax collectors. It's going to happen. But to be saying, you know, we're going to be coming in and storming into your business and taking your money and doing all that is absolutely false. Not, not going to happen. The folks with guns are going to be such a small percentage, under 1% of folks who are getting hired. We're going to be hiring, like I said, the auditors, the revenue agent and auditors who are going to go after the people who are hiding their income. The revenue officers who are going to be going out and collecting the money that's owed the IRS. People on the phones who can, you know, answer the questions. And if somebody does owe to work out a payment plan. IT support. So we can finally, hopefully, move on from these systems. Some of them are darn near as old as I am. And if that doesn't scare people, nothing will. So, I mean, you know, that's it's the whole thing. And I'm very happy to see not only Tony, but Commissioner Reddick come out and also, you know, directly push back against these. And I'm I'm very happy to see, um, you know, a lot of people pushing back on this because it is so obviously false and we need more truth in this country. Well, and, I, and I would, that's a point that I would like to make also, that uh, there are a lot of elected officials and people in authority who are pushing back on this. It's not just you know, NTEU and officials of NTEU and people like yourself and, and, and myself doing this. And I think there's one thing we ought to just get a message out to people who are employees of IRS, members of NTEU. When you hear this rhetoric fed back to you, because they're hearing it. You know, when you hear people say things like this, like, you know, this is going to be some kind of, you know, uh, some kind of horrible thing that's going to happen to small business owners or individual people who are middle class, for example. Uh, I think all of us have uh, a responsibility to gently push back and say, well, you know, you're, you're welcome to your opinion. I don't know where you're hearing this, but I can tell you I work for the agency. And that's not true. I think it's important that we do that. If people, you know, aren't going to change our mind, that's fine. But at least I think we have the responsibility to say, you know, to our friends and our relatives who who try to make this argument to us, because, you know, I, I don't really think that's correct. I work at the agency. I see what's going on. These things are not going to happen. We really, I think, uh, need to make an effort to do that. Yeah, and it's it's kind of scary, though. You can do that with your friends and relatives who already know that you work for the agency, but there's an awful lot of apprehension out there, and understandably so, about saying this in the public, where, you know, because the temperature is so high anymore, okay, you're a revenuer, we're back to that type of attitude, you're a revenuer, let me go get my shotgun. Um, You know, that type of mentality, maybe not literally, but figuratively is out there, and so a lot of people are leery about pushing back on this, that work for the agency and understandably so, but we, you know, you need to tell, you need to educate people. We need to educate people. And that's what it comes down to. And I think gently men, and if they push back and they're not going to change their mind, fine, you know, that's okay. Uh, but I'm just talking about friends and relatives, people, you know, right. well. I, you know, I don't, don't right. 
I am not encouraging people to go out on social media and do this. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you want to do it fine. Uh, but I, I don't think that's what I would, would suggest and get into, you know, heated battles with people online. I avoid that whenever I can, you know, make your case, but don't get into a back and forth of people who are saying things that are, are untrue. And I want to ask you one last thing before we leave this subject. You don't have to be specific if you don't want to, but have you noticed an increase in the number of incidents at IRS offices because of, of, of some of these lies that are being perpetrated uh, by people? I've noticed that people have a lot less respect in talking to my counterparts across the country and seeing things that have happened here in this chapter, that people have a lot less respect for the government employees who are working for the IRS and doing a great job and busting their butts and just trying to do the right thing and make a living. That's what they're trying to do. They're enforcing the laws that are passed by, I don't know, Congress. And so there are a lot of people out there, though, who are, you know, getting more and more upset on the phone and in person, making threats, um, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, the job is tough enough for folks already. We don't need to have them threat. Yeah, don't be afraid to take the actions you're supposed to take if you feel threatened or if someone acts in a threatening manner. I think we all are trained in how to recognize that. And uh, don't be afraid to, to call in the people that need to be called in if, if that is the case. Let's move away from that subject, talk about something else. We're going to talk about retirement here in a moment, but everyone uh, should be putting money in their TSP if you are working thrift savings plan. You should be putting money into it. Uh, while you're working. And of course, then uh, when you retire, that's when you have an opportunity to uh, take that money and put it to work for you in retirement. Uh, there has been some talk about people who are preying upon some federal employees that may not be investment savvy, encouraging them to take their TSP money, put it in another investment. You are allowed to do that in some circumstances, but whether that's a good idea to do is, is I think, important. And uh, there are a handful of fraudsters out there that are going to prey upon those who are unsuspecting about this. So give us some tips. What should people know when you get pitches from people who say, hey, take your TSP. I can make you more money with that. Right. First off, I'm a huge believer in the TSP, mainly because it's safe secure. And while you're working, I don't know anywhere else it's going to give you 100% of your money if you put in at least 5%. If you put in 5%, the government matches it. So I don't know anywhere else you're going to get 100% return. Now, once you leave government service and you have this money sitting in TSP, there are a lot of people who want to take it out and do different things with it, have more control over their investments, things of that nature. The TSP is starting to go that way, but it's still got a ways to go to be instantaneous. So if you're going to do that, great. I have no problem with that. Just make sure that you understand who you're investing with. Check them out thoroughly. Make sure they're on the up and up. I hate to see stories where people are swindled out of their money because they went with somebody who's doing a Ponzi or pyramid scheme, things of that nature. So just just do your homework making sure that you're going to be, you know, you save that money for a long time in your TSP and we don't want to hear about anybody losing it to people who are uh, doing things illegally that they shouldn't be. Yeah. So just a word of caution there is be careful and uh, 
don't uh, let some fraudster talk you into something. Before you make a decision on that, check these people out carefully and talk to some independent uh, parties to get some advice, I think would be the best thing that uh, you could do in a situation like that. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of retirement, um, there's there's been a lot written in the federal employee press about people who like to retire at the end of the year. Some people do that for a variety of strategic reasons. I won't get into all that. Now you can if you want. But uh, one thing that people need to be aware of, and you've talked about this before, if you plan on retiring by the end of 2022, you've basically told people they should have started that process already. But if you plan on retiring by the end of the year, you definitely need to get going now. Is that not correct? Uh, yeah, you're behind the curve already. Just because of the fact that you and I have talked about and we've seen the numbers that are, you know, OPM is just like everybody else in the federal government. They're behind. So it takes quite a long time to process this retirement paper, and it's going to take a while to get your proper government pension, the annuity part. So, you know, you want to do this well in advance. And, you know, there are several reasons why people like doing it, uh, you know, particular days of the month or at the end of the year when you can take your accumulated leave and you'll get paid for it if you do it at a certain time, that sort of thing. So those those are details that you talk over with a best specialist or someone who is well-versed in that, but you just want to make sure that you give yourself the time because if you're saying, okay, middle of December, I'm going to retire at the end of the year, everything will be uh, wonderful and I'll just go ahead and put in my paperwork. That's great. Now, I'm hoping that you've got enough money stashed away that you're going to be good for four to six months because that's how long it's going to take them to get your proper annuity if, if it's that speed. Right. What you get during that processing time in your monthly benefit is an estimated monthly benefit, which is estimated way low. <laughs> I, and I have to tell you, I was not at all. Here's my strategy when I retired. As far as the timing of it, I retired on the very day I was eligible. That was the only strategy that I had. <laughs> and of course, you're in, people are welcome to do that, but others wait and, and want to do it at a specific time of the year. And a lot of people would give advice on that, but uh, actually it turns out I, I didn't uh, retire at a bad time, even strategically, but my only strategy was to leave when I, when I was eligible to do so. Um, I want to talk about something else. This is for people who still are working and uh, teleworking has really gone into a new phase because teleworking um, had always been a, a situation where Okay, I telework, but I have my own desk at the office. I can go there anytime I want. I've got it set up the way I want it set up. So everything is just perfect. Well, that is going to start changing. And uh, you've talked in the past about hoteling. And just so people know, no, you're not being put up in a hotel. Hoteling simply means you're sharing workspace with others who might be teleworking. And you're in that desk space a certain number of days. And somebody else teleworking will be using that desk also on a certain number of days. That's really what hoteling is essentially about. So, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of that in Indiana. I think what you're warning people about is look for it. It's coming soon. Yeah. Basically what's ha going to be happening. If it's not already happening in your area, wherever you're uh, listening or viewing this is the fact that as we hire more and we've just gotten this, you know, in the inflation reduction act, 
we've got an awful lot of money to hire, so they're going to be putting more and more people into seats. Once that happens, you know, if, you've, if you're teleworking now, frequently teleworking, and you've got your own desk, that's quite the luxury because contractually, they don't have to give that to you. They can have you in a shared desk. Now, I know many chapters, including our own, have said, why do we have to hotel people if we've got a surplus of desks at this moment? And for the most part, our facilities folks have said, totally get that, not a problem. Probably because it's less work for them, too. But it's going to be coming, uh, you know. And so, you I, you know, I because I've had people say, well, I'm not sharing my desk with anybody. And I'm like, well, I'm assuming you're not going to be frequent tele. Oh, no, I'm frequent teleworking. Well, it's one or the other. You're not going to be able to do both. So I just want to make sure that everybody out there has a general awareness that if it hasn't happened already, it's probably going to be coming down the pike. When they go out and they look at different locations, uh, it, once a building's lease is up, they're looking at it with you know the hoteling in mind rather than every employee gets a desk. So these are just things to be aware of and be ready for when that time comes. Now, we, we know this will be true for jobs like revenue officers, revenue agents, for example. But in the call centers, that's likely to happen as well now that teleworking is in the call centers. You're, you're talking folks who've not had it before, like the call centers. Um, your folks in TAS who've not had that previously. So there's an awful lot of positions that we opened up too frequent teleworking in this latest contract that I'm very happy about, but I just want to make sure that everyone is aware that, you know, this could impact you, even though it hasn't in the past. Just mentioned the call centers and something that's just happened recently. And this only happens on rare occasions. We have known about this happening in the past and it's tied to all the hiring IRS is gearing up to do. Um, Basically, this, this came out of our national union that nationwide, uh, anyone who is at a call center and is a seasonal employee in accounts management, you will have the option to convert to a permanent job. Now, you don't have to. You can stay seasonal if you want, but there's going to be enough permanent work out there now that if you're seasonal and want to be permanent, you're going to be able to do that. So, how is that going to work, and, and how long do people have to make that decision? Uh, it's going to be a pretty short, relatively speaking, time frame. Um, I think this is a great thing for folks because I do believe the vast majority of people who are seasonal would like to be permanent. Um, so everybody that came in prior to August 1st of this year will be given that opportunity to be a permanent employee if they wish. Um, and like you said, this is going to be due to the hiring that's going to be coming in. One of the things that I've had pitched battles, literally pitched battles with folks in, um, HCO and W and I, uh, is the fact that when we hire people, when we go out with these advertisements to hire people, uh, at call centers, it's, it's out there as a seasonal employee. And I'm like, we have the full-time equivalents, what the budget FTEs is what they budget for. We have the FTEs to hire people as permanent. If we get them as permanent to start with, you're going to have more people applying. You'll be able to fill more of these positions. So we won't have the issue 
of these very, very, very low uh, levels of service where, you know, we're lucky if one in five gets through on the phone. So it's it's something that I've been uh, talking about. They've told me time and again, well, we don't think we have the uh, the number of calls uh, year round to be able to justify that. And I've thrown their own data back at them. And I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Um, you know, we're, we're a year round thing anymore. There are people going in, you know, waking up on Christmas Eve going, you know what? I've got to bake some cookies. I've got to do some last minute wrapping. And yes, I do need to call the IRS. Um, it's, it's not the most festive of things, but it happens. And so it's, it's happening all year round and we need to hire people as permanent rather than seasonal to try and get this, uh, this workforce that we need to have. And I think a permanent workforce will be a workforce that works year round is it's getting updated year round. Uh, they'll hopefully based on what Tony Reardon was telling us last week, uh, be a better training program because the training programs at IRS have been decimated. When I first came in at IRS, uh, and was hired in what was then considered, uh, I can't remember what the name of it was. I think they called it just, uh, customer service. When you, uh, go into a call center and work in customer service, uh, the, the training program I thought was very good. And now it's, it's there, but it's, it's not been well put together as it once was. It, it doesn't get the attention and budget attention that it should. And uh, I feel sorry for people who have to be the instructors. They don't get the support instructors have had in the past. So um, when you're when you're doing the job year round, you're constantly getting the updates. You're constantly aware of what's going on as things move and in tax law and procedures. And even with the, all the different account situations, things change all the time. And, and it's easier to stay up to date if you're permanent and you're there year round. So not only will we have, uh, more permanent employees will have, I think, a better workforce, a better trained and a, and a workforce uh, better equipped to answer questions or react to what these people need when they call us in a in a more efficient manner. This, that's my experience. Would you agree with that? I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Every single point that you've made are things that I've made uh, to our folks in HCO, to our folks in WNI, and I'm I'm hoping. I'm I'm trying to steer us away from the iceberg every chance I get, uh, but sometimes we just run right right against it and rips out our side to use the Titanic uh, metaphor. But you know that's that's one of the things that that I hope will be happening in the future. You're always good with Titanic metaphors, aren't you? <laughs> I don't. Well, we're- <laughs> We run into a lot of icebergs over in this place. There's more than one iceberg out there. That's true. (laughs) Let me ask you this question, and and you may not know, but if you read any tea leaves or have any indications, because we know that because of this conversion from seasonal to perm, we're going to have more hires in the call centers uh, and Indianapolis and many others. I know what I think Indianapolis was the number 103. I think that there were that are going to be offered permanent jobs that are currently seasonal. I hope I got, I think I saw that figure, um, got that right, but there'll be different numbers depending on the size and you know, the, some of the uh, campuses will have larger call center operations. The reason I bring this up and, and this will be true of the examination division where audits are done. It will be true of the collection operation 
IT, all these different parts of IS. I would presume that we're going to go on this hiring spree. Do we have any idea since we're based in Indiana, how Indiana might be impacted uh, soon by the, uh, the, the hiring spree when it will get done. I know it doesn't happen overnight, but when will we start seeing uh, these big hires in let's say Indiana first and just nationwide as, as best you know it? I think that they're still working on the numbers. I think that they, w- they want to make sure that we don't get overwhelmed. And again, when they talked about these 85,000 hires, this is over an eight year period. So not everybody is going to be hired at once. The other thing is, is we have to have the folks who can handle this. We have to have the folks in our uh, human capital organization, HCO, to be able to be, uh, you know, vet this and be able to do the hires. So I think, um, you know, and that's one of the things that I've talked about to higher up executives as well is make sure that we've got the IT folks and the HCO folks who are able to do this because if not, we're just going to topple over and that would be bad for everybody. You know, if you hire all these people and don't have the, the support for it, then it's going to be bad. You can put out an advertisement for a thousand revenue agents across the country, but if those applications are sitting there for three, four five months with not enough people to view them, then that does nobody any good. So I'm really hoping that they'll do the, that. They are taking a good look at this. I've not heard any firm numbers uh, for any particular parts of the country yet on hiring, but I, I know that they are looking at this. They've been ready for this. They've been tweaking plans. So hopefully it'll be uh, start to roll out soon. Yes. And one aspect that we've talked about before, and I would like to emphasize again, is that when there's and this one reason this is being done over a 10 year period, when IRS starts hiring people, the first thing, of course, IRS needs instructors, and you need experienced good people to be instructors. They'll be taken away from their regular work to do that. Then once the training period is over, they go through a coaching process. And when they go through the the coaching process, we need to take people from the regular jobs to be coaches. So in order to continue to run efficiently as a an operation, IRS needs to make sure that we still have people on the job to keep the ship running while people are being trained and, and are being coached into the new job. Yep, going to be a lot of short-term pain for long-term gain. And um, that's something, again, that I know the leadership of NTU and basically every chapter leader I've talked to uh, talks to executives about, because I know I talk to them about that constantly. One last uh, thing I want to, a couple of last things, but one next to last thing I want to talk about here. Um, there's a, there's some new data coming that would indicate that people who are graduating from college, and this is not a new trend, but it seems to be worse now than ever before. College graduates are not looking to the federal government to be their employer when they graduate. What's interesting is that they're not all wanting to, to become investment bankers or work on Wall Street and get rich right away. A lot of these people uh, coming out of college are very open to working for, let's say, a nonprofit organization, but they're not as anxious to work for the federal government. And there are a number of reasons for that. And I know, Duncan, when you were negotiating the national agreement with the management, 
the management very much wanted to streamline the hiring process, which is part of the problem in trying to uh, hire these recent college grants. Not the only issue, but it's certainly one big one that federal government cannot make quick decisions easily on getting people hired. And the management wanted to onboard people more quickly. NTEU was open to that as long as it's done the right way. And you've talked about that too. So uh, talk about the changes IRS has, has been tweaking here to try to make that onboarding process uh, easier and, and and a little faster for new employees, particularly uh, uh, college grads. And what you think the government still needs to do to make that process better? Um, you know, we're working. They, I know that they've done what they can, IRS, with USA Jobs. That's who they have to go through um, to do the hiring process. But once it goes through that, you know, that's that's then an IRS's lap. Now we've got to be moving quicker. You know, we used to do a lot of job fairs. We used to go, you know, and our uh, chief steward here, Gail Groves, and I were just talking about this the other day, about recruitment and how you get people in. And we used to go to different types of expos, any place that we could be out there. And, you know, I don't know how much we're doing recruiting on, college campuses, things of that nature. Yeah, technology is great, allows us to reach a lot of people, but right now we're trying to get, you know, in front of those people and put a face on the federal government that, you know, we're not evil, we're good. You know, if you know, don't listen to the people, the some of the politicians in the media are saying, well, don't apply to the federal government because we're just going to cut those jobs. Um, you know, this is a great place to work and we need to make sure that people who are coming out of college understand that, that you can have a great career as a revenue officer, revenue agent, tax compliance officer, uh, you know, a, uh, attorney, uh, with the IRS. So there are a lot of different careers that open up for this, uh, you know, and, and dozens of other careers that I haven't even mentioned. So we just need to do, I think, a better job on those college campuses with the outreaches there to try and get those folks in. And and that music in the background means somebody's trying to call you. They're going to have to wait. <laughs> Listen a little bit. Yeah, this is a working office. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, we, we heard that music before. I'm going to end the podcast. Uh, I'll make the first final comment, and I'm sure you'll have something to say about this as well. But I think one of the most important holidays we have year round, of course, as a former union official and someone who still volunteers for a, for a union, I, I, Labor Day is, is, is a very important holiday because it, other holidays commemorate a number of, of different things. July 4th uh, commemorates uh, our birth as a nation, for example. And, there, and you know, Veterans Day honors our, our veterans. The Labor Day honors the work everyone does. And, and, and it's not just the work of labor unions, although we're certainly a big part of that. It honors everyone who works. And, and that's really most of us, not only a handful of us are business owners, and they're fine too. Don't get me wrong. If you want to own your own business or be self-employed, most of us are employees. And most of us work hard, and that's what Labor Day is here to commemorate. And you and I, Duncan, have seen some of the hardest working people I've ever known. I worked in the broadcasting business for 14 years before I entered government service. All these stories I heard about lazy government employees who take their time, I, I saw very little of that. Most everyone that I worked with worked very hard, probably more than they should 
working and uh, even without overtime or credit hours, working extra hours or just putting in a lot of effort to, to a particular program. So Labor Day, I think for those of us uh, who are in the federal workforce or somebody like me that's retired from the federal workforce but still tries to stay in touch with many of my former colleagues such as yourself, um, we all need to take a moment and say, you know, the labor we put in has made America as great as it is, and we all need to commemorate that. I, I think you put that very, very well. Yeah, this I am so proud to work with the federal workforce and the folks that I work for work with, work for. They do a wonderful job. They are out there every day. Too many of them give what's called love time, which as you noted, is time that you're not on the clock. You're not getting overtime. You're not getting pay, compensatory pay, but you're trying to basically, you know, get stuff finished that needs to get done because you want to do a good job for the American taxpayer. And I am just, like I said, my admiration for these folks is just constant because they are, you know, busting their butt. They are doing what they need to do. And, you know, with very little praise that they should be getting a mountain of praise. And instead we get a lot of scorn, particularly this agency, um, which we shouldn't. So just on behalf of national NTEU, from Tony Reardon and Doreen Greenwald, our president and national vice president, myself and all the other chapter leaders across the country from NTU, I just want to say we thank you, we appreciate you, and you know we hope you have a good Labor Day weekend and are able to charge your batteries and reflect a little bit on the great work that you do because you deserve the time off. And you put that very well, uh, too. And I will add to, to that comment that uh, we all should have a very good Labor Day weekend that's coming up. It's kind of the end of summer on the calendar. And uh, we all should have a good time. Recharge our batteries and uh, enjoy our time with, with family and friends. We thank you for watching and listening to the Chapter 49 podcast. We're on video at uh, just look up Duncan Giles on YouTube and uh, you can, there's several of them. You'll find the one with the chapter 49 podcast listed there. And of course you can find my podcast at just about any podcast platform. Just look under podcast by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N. And you'll see all my podcasts and chapter 49 podcasts are right there. So once again, we, we appreciate the fact that you took the time to watch and listen today. Please be safe and be kind. Mm-hmm.